0: Hey, welcome to another podcast with the coach Brendan sir and uh, so excited today you're gonna love Mike Boynton Mike Boynton is the 36 year old head coach at Oklahoma State University Cowboys and he is just the neatest guy that has had the greatest first year of any coach that I've known personally and I uh, got to spend a couple of days with him out at Oklahoma State in October uh, his his program was going through a tough time at that point and as a first-year head coach you never know where it's going to go but man did he ever crush it and you're going to hear on there talking to you about how he beat kansas twice oklahoma twice at west virginia beat Florida State in Florida. I mean, the guy has had so much success as a first-year coach. He's going to talk to you about how the difference between being an assistant coach to a head coach. He's also going to talk about his path as a coach starting out as a graduate manager all the way up and the disappointment going through of not getting a head coaching job and then a year later becoming the head coach at Oklahoma State. Fantastic lessons for you, but if you ever get a chance to meet Mike Boynton, you're going to find one of the most humble, neat people in our business. He is full of the greatest quality you can have and that of loving people and placing relationships as the key to his success. Enjoy, Mike Boynton. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected design and upload training exercises that combine shooting conditioning and ball handling into one complete workout and instantly receive feedback on their workout allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance it is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market it's been the official shooting machine of coaching you for the last two years to learn more about dr dish log on to dr dish basketball.com or follow them on Twitter at Dr. Dish B Ball. Hey, welcome back to a Coaching You podcast with the coach Brendan Sir and a great, great friend today on our show, Mike Boynton, the head coach at Oklahoma State University, who just finished his first year with the Cowboys. And Michael, when you arrived two years ago to Stillwater from Stephen F. Austin, did you ever imagine that this could have happened to you? This quick. No, I'll, I'll be honest.
1: Yeah. I, um, you know, I was pretty disappointed when I came here, not because I was coming here because this is a tremendous job, even as an assistant coach. Sure. Uh, but when Brad left to become the head coach here, uh, and we and he left Nacogdoches as the head coach there, I, I interviewed for the job there and oh. really thought that I was going to get it. Uh, felt really confident going into the interview process. And, Brendan, uh, we had three great years there, Stephen F. Austin. Uh, we won 89 games, so almost 90 games in three seasons. We went to the tournament uh, in each of those three years. Two of those years, we actually won a game. And then the last season that we were there together, uh, we beat West Virginia and had Notre Dame on down the double digits in the second half and lose to them on a tip-in. Uh, in the game that would have sent us to the Sweet 16. So we had incredible success, and I felt really confident that I could have the opportunity to become the next head coach there. Uh, For whatever reason, as we went through the process, they thought otherwise, and I was really, really disappointed. Uh, But when Brad offered me the opportunity to come up here with him, uh, I was excited again and, and looking for a fresh start and a new opportunity in a new league. i never coached in the Big 12 before but I certainly never thought once about being a head coach here. <laughs> of
0: course not. And, uh, and so, you know, Brad Underwood, uh, you know, just took off when he got his shot as a, as a head coach, you know, just crushing it at, uh, SFA. And then all of a sudden gets his shot at the big time, which is in a conference that he knows so well from working there with Frank, uh, at K state. But, uh, I'm sure he never even thought that after one year he would take off and go to Illinois. P- probably accurate.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, we
0: certainly never had any
1: discussions about that.
0: Uh, Brad's
1: from just up the road in McPherson, Kansas, right. so he was closer to his family than he had been in a really long time. Um, you know, he grew up in the Big Twelve as a as a, as a young guy and, and coached in the Big Twelve. Uh, and so, you know, we all thought that this was going to be a really long-term deal for him. Uh, and for whatever reason, things didn't turn out that way. And and a year later, he was uh, he was on the move again.
0: So let's let's talk about this because we have you know thousands and thousands of young coaches and a lot of assistant coaches at all levels that are doing this. And as we both know, in our coaching business, unfortunately, uh, patience by assistant coaches is near nil okay, and they're always looking for what's next and best. Uh, I, I'm i co- constantly c- counseling assistants on doing the best job you can at the place you're at, you know, and... Absolutely. Right, uh, and, and work for the guy you're working for. Don't be looking for new jobs, but, uh, you know, it falls on deaf ears many times. And so now you're, you're all of a sudden, your boss takes off and... You have an opportunity to interview at a team that had a ridiculous success in one year. Do you think you're going to have a real shot? Or now all of a sudden, Oklahoma State's a, a terrific job anyway. Going through that process, how did you mentally prepare for the interview?
1: Well, part of my preparation, to be honest, i got to go back to the year before. Um, <laughs> you know, I felt so confident and and what I was gonna have as an opportunity of Stephen F. Lawson, I probably didn't prepare as well. Uh, probably didn't didn't you know go into as much detail in my preparation, and you know, I felt really comfortable with the people who were doing the interviews and all that stuff. Uh, so that that helped me prepare for the interview process uh, a year later when Oklahoma State was on the table. But I still went at it with a little bit of cautious optimism, only in a sense that you know. Who gets their first job, you know, as a thirty-five-year-old in the Big Twelve? Right. You know that that just doesn't happen. And so, what happened for me was uh, I had a group of people, most notably the AD here, that just was comfortable thinking outside the box uh, and, and took a leap of faith in the person that he knew me to become, or he had become to know me as. Uh, the way he watched me handle the the players and the administrators here on campus. And so really, it was just a matter of getting the outsiders on board, yeah um, you know the the border regents and guys who didn't know me as you know as closely who didn't watch me work every day, um but I was fairly confident in my ability to do the job, just wasn't sure that someone would think the same, um you know, considering that a year before you know a job in the Southland conference, no disrespect to that conference I sure. uh, didn't think I was capable of doing that job, so um, I went at it with some. Aggressiveness, but I was also in the mindset that you know what you got to be prepared to uh, be ready to move on if if you don't get this opportunity and, and maybe having to rule uproot your family uh, once
0: again. Again, yeah, Mike. So when you're when you're interviewing and you've never been a head coach, what did you have to convince Mike Holder of that? You know, you and it, and the Big Twelve is arguably one, two, three for sure. Uh, best conferences in the country, great head coaches in the conference that you could handle as a never had been head coach. How did you approach that and answer that question when they said, you know, hey, no experience?
1: Yeah, uh, the, the, the truth is everybody's been a head coach. Every great coach. You know, at some point was an assistant, or most of them. I think exactly. John Beeline and, and maybe one other uh, has has only been a head coach, and he kind of worked through the lower levels of college uh, basketball. I think he worked at D3 and then D2. Maybe Bo Ryan was the same way, but 99. No, Bo. Guys... Was, Bo was an
0: assistant at Wisconsin. I coached against him when okay. he was at Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so 99% of people have to do it
1: for the first time at some point. Yeah. How about right. that? Okay. So it's just a matter of getting that first opportunity and then being prepared for it, you know, um, you know, all uh, Bill Self was an assistant coach at some point, and, and Coach Smith and, you know, Coach Krzyzewski and, and on and on. All these great legendary Hall of Fame coaches were assistant coaches at one point, And then someone thought enough of their uh, growth and knowledge uh, and ability to relate to, relate to players and, and handle uh, the media and the, and the boosters and alums. Um, that they could do the job. So it was really a matter of Coach Holder being a person who experienced that himself. Uh, Coach Holder, who's our AD here, came here as a golfer uh, a long time ago, and he transitioned from being a golfer to being the head golf coach here. Wow. And then from being the head golf coach to being the athletic director. And when he became the head coach here at golf, he had never coached before. (laughs) When he became the athletic director here, He had never been an administrator
2: before. John
1: Smith, who's one of the great wrestlers in the history of wrestling, had never been head coach, and he got his first opportunity here. Uh, Josh Holliday, who's our baseball coach, got his first. So our AD has a track record of hiring guys uh, without necessarily having a great resume of wins and losses, but it's more about the character, the work ethic, uh, those other things that he thinks translates to being able to coach well and relate to young people.
0: Now, as a uh, as a disclaimer, um, you know, I got to spend a couple of days with you in October in Stillwater. Now, my friend, you're from Brooklyn, New York. That ain't Stillwater. Okay. <laughs> and, and I say that with great affection because I'm from Jersey. But um, but when you went as a, high sc- a terrific high school player, Bishop Lachlan, down to the University of South Carolina to play for four years um, – and you journey out and you go there, what were the biggest lessons you learned uh, you know, playing at South Carolina that maybe said, what I a- want to coach? Yeah, well, I, you know,
1: Brendan, I always felt like I wanted to coach. Um, I think even early on in my life, I always thought about the game from a strategic standpoint. I wasn't a great athlete, uh, so I had to find other ways to, to be effective. And I was an okay player. I wasn't great by any means, but I always was able to to lead. I was always a part of successful teams and programs. Um, but the, the biggest uh, advantage I had was I was always coached by really good coaches. And I really took everything that they said to heart. I really tried to study the way they operated, uh, the way they handled different things. And so I remember my high school coach, Bob Lucky. Uh, allowing me to have input and in practice plans. And this is when I'm 14, 15, 16 years old. Um, and then going to college, I uh, always felt like I was around so many knowledgeable people because I was recruited to South Carolina by Eddie Fogler. Played for him one year, and then after my freshman year, he retires. And I played for Dave Odom, another great coach, oh, for yeah. three years. Uh, so I learned from some of the best coaches in the history of the game um, and I learned also, once I got into coaching, that there are a lot of different ways to have success. Mm-hmm. I think one of my biggest assets, or one of the biggest advantages for me, is I'm not married to one singular philosophy. Uh, I worked for Larry Davis, who's now the associate head coach at Cincinnati. Fabulous coach. I for Buzz Peterson. Who's now is an assistant GM uh, for the Charlotte Hornets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked for Mike Young, who's the head coach at Wofford. Uh, Great I work coach. For Darren Horn at South Carolina, who's now an assistant at Texas. <laughs> uh, a year I spent around Frank Martin at South Carolina, and then I was with Brad for four years. Wow! And so th- those are a lot of different guys who coach in very different ways, mm-hmm. uh, who coach in different eras, and so I've also watched the game evolve, uh, and I've been able to kind of steal some things from each one of them. Um, so that, that's been my greatest, um, you know, I guess, benefit to my, my journey is I've been around so many smart guys, so many uh, tactful guys, so many guys who work at this thing really well. I've uh, been around some really good assistant coaches. And then I've got really strong mentors that I, I haven't worked for, and, and no, none of them are bigger than Coach Radling, uh, who I've known since I was 12 sure. years old. And has been a tremendous asset to my life from an advice standpoint, from a ministry standpoint. Um, but the transition from Brooklyn to Columbia was my hardest one uh, because at eighteen years old, I wasn't ready to not live in a big city. Yeah, I was ready to go to college, but when you get down and at six p.m., there's nobody walking the streets, and there's no noise, and there's no, you know, nobody hanging out. It's like, wow, what what happened to life? Uh, Because in New York City, as you know, uh, there's something going on all the time.
0: 24-7.
1: Yeah, so it's been an interesting journey because I've lived in a lot of different places. Uh, I've been around a lot of different strong uh, mentors, um, and and I've tried to at least use something that I learned from each of them um, in my first year as a head coach.
0: So what you described from an academic standpoint, and we're going to go. We're going to get really academic for a second. Is you have a great growth mindset, and that you're constantly trying to learn. So as a as a coach, let's say, and, and again, we're giving advice to you know coaches. Is they are they're studying the game, they're working real hard as you are, and as I still am. Uh, how do you figure out what to put into your toolbox that? You know, how do you make that decision for yourself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I think I think one
1: of the biggest challenges is, so many times we're trying to be someone else. We want to emulate this person. Um, Well, the the only way you can really know who you want to try to become is to know who you are first. Uh, You have to identify your own strengths and weaknesses. And then you have to figure out how do you maximize those? Um, so for me, I'm a, I'm a hands-on person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really personable. Um, and so I, I try to make everything about relationships. Uh, try to make sure that I've always cultivated relationships, that I always have great follow-up with people, that I'm a person that people can feel that they can count on. Um, you know, I, I, feel, I feel like I have a good grasp on the game, um, but, you know, I, I wouldn't categorize myself as an X and O's expert, but I study really hard at it. I work at it. I try to be adaptable. Uh, and so I think for a lot of coaches out there, the thing you have to identify is who you are at your core. You know, what type of person you are, what type of worker you are, what type of an, envir- of, of an environment do you excel best in? Uh, and the sooner you can find that out, the sooner you can work your way to improving the areas that aren't as strong but also maximizing those things that you do do well uh, to a point where they're extremely hard to break down um, or become uh, negative. So uh, just trying to find a balance between, you know, really settling into this is who I am and what I'm about and I'm going to beat this guy every day to, all right, where do I want to go with this and what is the best way to get there? You know, some guys have a hard time taking... I'll give you an example. When I left Coastal Carolina in 2007 um, to go work for Mike Young because uh, Buzz Peterson went to the NBA, uh, I had to make a decision that it was okay to take a pay cut at that point in my career.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, that's That's a hard decision to make because you always assume the next job you'll make more money. Sure and you'll have a better position, and you'll have more opportunities. Well, sometimes those things don't always work at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I took a $15,000 pay cut from being a second assistant at Coastal Carolina to being the associate head coach at Wofford. Wow. Wow. And but... I went from having a car to needing to buy one. went from <laughs> having a cell phone to needing to have, provide my – so, you know, you had to balance those things between, okay, this is a bit of a step back here, but for professionally for me, I'm going to go work for a great guy in a great league who's well respected around the country. And he's going to allow me to have great responsibility within the program to give me an opportunity to ultimately another step toward my professional goal. And it may not look right in my paycheck.
0: Yeah. And at the, at the end, uh, you know, just like we say to a player, did I get better? Did I get a chance Absolutely. to get better? And you did, you know, and and, and st- when you look back on your coaching path, your journey, and you look at every stop from Furman on down t- to being, every step of the way, you know, it's a, it's a very decisive roadmap of, uh opportunities creating improvement in your role maybe in developing. Yeah. And, and that's, that's so important. Uh, I think. Money... Yeah, I'll give you another example, yeah. not to cut you off. No. But so when we, we got let go at South Carolina,
1: which is really hard for me because I went to school there. Sure. Uh, we got let go there in 2012 and you know, obviously I still wanted to coach. Uh, my wife was pregnant at the time, oh, but, so we didn't necessarily want to move. Uh, so I'll tell you what happened. Uh, We had to make a decision that I think really benefited me. Uh, We stayed, and I came off the road. I wasn't able to recruit. I wasn't able to be on the floor and coach. But I was able to watch Frank Martin, a guy that's totally different from a lot of people in our profession, Mm -hmm. and how he did it. Um, And because I was around that program for another year, doing administrative work, again, making much less money, um, that's how I met Brad.
0: How about that? <laughs>
1: but that was a conscious choice now I didn't know that I would meet Brad and develop the relationship I did I just knew that you know what this is a great opportunity for me to step away from being as emotionally invested uh, in the day to day results uh, as much as this is an opportunity for me to learn how things are done differently um, and watching Frank practice and watching him adjust in games and you know implement a philosophy and get guys to buy in uh, was really, really beneficial for me uh, in this last year. I reflected on things that I saw Frank Martin doing his first year at South Carolina a lot this past season here at Oklahoma State. Uh, and I don't know if I would have just taken another assistant coaching job, which there were opportunities out there, that I would have that same opportunity uh, to grow professionally that I did that.
0: Frank's, Frank's got to work on his intensity. I'm trying to work with him on that, you know. But hopefully. Yeah, he's got to pick it up some. He's got to pick it up some. <laughs> he, he is absolutely amazing. But Beneath, and this is what you learn uh, from people, Uh, you know, I I often say that my high school coach, E.B. Brown, told me, you know, don't don't try to imitate me. Don't try to be like me. Be yourself. And, you know, and a guy like Frank, you could never possibly be who he is as far as his... His delivery, his just his ability to stare. My God, I can't I can't believe how he, he frightens me just to talk to him on the phone. Yeah. Sometimes I can't even see him. And but you know, but beneath this incredibly strong, tough guy is a guy that has the heart like you can't believe, right? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I tell people all the time
1: Frank Martin's one of the purest, yep. most kind hearted uh, genuine people that I've ever met. I've met a lot of people in my yeah. life. Uh, and, and you know, his bark is much more aggressive than his bite, uh, although his
0: bark is pretty darn Pretty darn good. Man. <laughs> <laughs> he scares me when uh, he sends he me really, a text. I mean, you know, I mean. Yeah, sorry, you
1: know. He really cares for people. I mean, he's genuinely invested in the kids and his program and seeing them become great men, fathers and husbands, uh, and, I, and I haven't been around many guys who, who've been able to strike the balance, right, between being extremely hard on his guys, uh, sometimes uh, approaching a line where people may think it's personal, uh, but also having all those same people feel like he is so vested in them and wants to help them grow that those kids swear by him. I haven't met one player mm-hmm. that played for Frank, that has a any negative thing to say about him, and, and you watch him. If you don't get to know him and you just watch him on TV, you think, man, those kids must hate his guts. Exactly. When every single guy who's ever played for him swears by him. That's the sign of a true coach.
0: You know, Frank. we were doing a, um, kind of a, this coaching think tank, Mike, at, uh, at the university of Florida we've done for about 15 years. And, and Frank was there several years ago and I, uh, I gave a talk, uh, on, you know, relationships to your players and stuff. And I and I, I said, uh, the key thing I learned in coaching is you have to truly love your players. You know, have to love them exactly. like you're, they're your own. And he came up to me and he says, sometimes I'm scared to tell them that. He said, but I love everyone. And I said, it's, a, it's a man's thing to tell people <laughs> that you love them. And, and you know what? Right. And he's now all the time... Uh, and, and that's, I think where, you know, you, when we do that as, uh, as men, uh, to our players, you know, you teach them something that it's okay. And then all of a that's sudden, right. cause they've never been loved. Some of them, they've never had a dad in their life. They've never had a male figure and you might be the that's one right. in their life. Right, Mike?
1: Yeah. And sometimes I tell my guys, cause I, and I try to make sure I tell my guys that a lot, uh, because I do understand that that's the reality for them. They haven't heard that very often, and they certainly haven't seen uh, a man show those type of um, um, emotional uh, affection or anything like that towards another male. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really, really important that these kids understand that that's a sign of strength. Uh, That's not a sign of weakness. uh, That it's okay to embrace people. It's okay to feel uh, connected to people on an emotional level. Uh, And it's okay to fully invest in you know, the people you're around because ultimately what it boils down for me is yeah, everything's about people. Everything's about relationships mm-hmm. uh, and the more positive relationships you have in your life, the more people you can reach uh, and feel like you can help and can help you, uh, the better off you're going to have an opportunity to, to have a really, really happy and uh, fulfilling life.
0: Well said. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fastmodel has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software. Fastdraw. Fastdraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy to use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. Doesn't stop there along with FastDraw they have other great programs such as Scout, which I have used which helps coaches create clean professional scouting reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of division one college teams When you get the job last year, about this time, uh, you know, give or take a few weeks, and now these young men that you're now in charge of as the head coach, you are now saying, okay, that you've been you recruited many of them, uh, and now you're going to be their head coach. What had what changed for you? what What did you do? Did you make a conscious change, or you said I'm I'm the same coach, Mike? And I'm just going to be myself. what had you? Obviously, you have to change as an assistant to a coach from a suggester to a decision maker. But how did you approach yeah.
1: it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you hit it on the head. Um, th- there used to be, um, there used to be a time where, first, I'll say this: I used to think my head coaches always acted like they were busy. <laughs> I did. Um, there were times where I would say, Hey, I need you to call this guy or you know, you got a second to meet and it always seemed like they always had too much to do to, to do what I needed them to do and, and now I realize no it's it's really time demanding. Um, but the second part of that is you can't just make flippant decisions. People would come into my office before and ask me things and I would just answer the first thing that came to my mind because you just wanted to move on, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm trying to call some recruits here. Don't ask me you know, what I want from lunch on the bus. But now, <laughs> um, people ask, Hey, where do you want to stay when we go to some Florida and play an orange bowl classic or, you know, what uniform color should we wear for this game? Well, whatever I say, that's what's going to happen.
0: Hmm. It's not oh. just—they're just not taking a poll, yeah, and asking your opinion. No, yeah. no,
1: no, 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 no. No, I'm—I'm I'm actually the deciding vote, no matter how many votes are taken.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's good. So it's very Trump. So very very Trump on that be, one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got to be very—I've got to be much
0: more thorough in yeah.
2: my
1: thought process because what I do understand is everything affects you know, something else. Yeah. No no decision is made in the vacuum, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, every kid we decide to sign means another one we can't sign. Every time we decide to put in an offensive set that gives one kid an opportunity to have success, we have to think about how it affects the rest of the group and does it help the other guys as well. Uh, every time I make a decision on a staff hire, how does that guy have relationships with our players? How does he work within our community and with our administration? You know, all these things matter. It's not just, hey, this is a good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. I want to have, I want to have opportunity to work with them. No, it it matters in the big picture. So you go from, you know, making suggestions to making decisions that really matter and that you have to answer to, you know, those suggestions, you don't have to answer to. Nobody said, Hey, what did coach Mike think when you called that timeout in the last 10, 10 seconds? No, it's Coach Mike. What were you thinking when you called that timeout when your guy was going in for a layup and t- with seconds t-
0: to go? At the press conference, yes. Afterwards, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Didn't have to do many press conferences as an assistant. No, 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 no. no that now you have a, a, you know, for those that have never been out to the fabulous uh, Stillwater campus and and their terrific, you know, arena. There is a legacy of the man who the building is named after, the great Coach Iba, and the man whose yes. name is on the floor, the great H- Eddie Sutton. What is it Correct. like to coach with so much incredible history behind it? I did a clinic man, day for it, it's, you, it's, and, man, I was nervous, you know? I mean, it's, it's awesome.
1: Yeah. It's awesome. You know, every day, you know, I walk into this building, and I feel a great sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm uh I don't know if I will ever meet the standards that they've set here. Sure. Right? Coach Ida was here for 35 years huh. and literally one of the great innovators in the history of basketball, you know, and, and the, the success that Coach Sutton had, had at every stop. Um and being from here and having played here for Coach Ida uh is something that people will never forget. So you know there's a lot of uh expectations for our program. Uh, but I look at that as a positive Sure. There's a lot of things that people will be that, that will attract people to this program. Um, because there's a great history of success, because there's a legacy of uh, the um the basketball tradition here, uh, people want to be a part of this program. So um I feel a great sense of responsibility, but I know also know that with that responsibility, there's great opportunity. Um, because it won't take much uh for our fans. And we had them back here at the end of the year and droves. Uh, for people to really embrace this program, and the kids will see that and feel a great sense of um, of togetherness and unity, and will be something that they'll want to be a part of. So, um, I love it. I enjoy it. Uh, I sometimes walk past Coach Ibis' picture and I think, "Wow, you know, <laughs> I'm in the same position that Hopefully that he that. once held for 35 years, and it's and it's truly truly
0: an honor. It is. It is made per people again that don't know. Uh, Oklahoma State has, what I feel in my travels around the world, uh, the best locker room in basketball history. It is just <laughs> amazing. Mike, describe it briefly for some of our listeners.
1: Yeah, it's phenomenal. Uh, the the uh, the boosters and alarms have really uh, put a lot of financial investment into our program, and and that's certainly exemplified exempl- in in what our locker room setup is. It's, it's two stories. Uh, And upstairs we have our, you know, player lounge. Uh, We have a big atrium that shows kind of the history of our program, with a lot of pictures, uh, the coaching history, the player history, the team history. Uh, And then you have uh, an area where guys can just hang out in between classes or during game days before the game where there's TVs and video games. Uh, Then we have a little kitchen area, uh, full kitchen uh, with, snacks that are always fully stocked. We try to make sure our guys have the best of the best uh, for their bodies. And then we have our film room just right next to it. And it's a theater-style um, film room where we can you know, get a lot of you know, really off-the-court learning and development done, uh, give our guys the best opportunity to continue to develop their games away from the court, away from the rigors of beating their bodies now. Uh, but then downstairs uh, is where the actual lockers is. Uh, we have another atrium area down there, which is more player-oriented. It uh, has our wall of NBA guys and still some more pictures of other guys who may not have played in the NBA but had great careers here. Uh, guys get dressed down there. got state-of-the-art lockers. Uh, down in the shower area, where we have stalls and all that stuff. We also have a hot and cold tub for uh, our guys can have great opportunities uh, to do rehab or take care of their bodies during the season. So, uh, it's certainly one of the Taj Mahals yeah. uh, of, of locker rooms around the country, and it's certainly something that I hope all prospects will want to see one
0: day. Oh yeah, no, if you see it, you're signing up. I mean, uh, you know, at least you're going to take a, a cold tub one or the other. You know, it is, it is, is really special. I got the chance to watch you teach and work uh, in a couple of days at your practices, and I know it was the start of season, but I get to do this. I get to see a lot of people at a college and pro level. And I was absolutely blown away uh by what a tremendous teacher you are and the ability to teach, to uh motivate, uh, and to get your guys to perform at an incredibly high level. You know, when you as an assistant coach, you know, sometimes we get to teach a drill. We get to, you know, uh maybe uh put in a set or a out of bounds play or deliver a scout, maybe. But now, as the head coach, you're putting the blueprint out there of how your team's going to play and everything that's going to go into that blueprint. Uh, You seem to be at incredible ease, like you had been doing it for 10, 15 years. Uh, That's great talent, Mike. uh had it now that was october early october i can only imagine what it was like in mid march how good you had to come how did it feel going through this first year for you growth wise for that
1: you know, it felt great i mean one of the things that really uh helped me um stay focused on um there were so many distractions around the program. starting with when i got hired there was a lot of skepticism uh-huh. uh about my ability to do the job quite frankly and um, that was okay because I, I said before I've I've always been in some senses a coach. Uh, I've always been a leader, and that's what coaching is, Brendan. Coaching is just it's leadership. Sure. Um, it's can you can you get a group of guys to buy into a common goal? Can you get them to put their uh, make their personal goals secondary to their team goals because the one thing I try not to be foolish about is all these guys have personal goals and they should <laughs> we try to encourage those I think people who try to fight that and tell kids they can not have personal goals are just fighting a losing battle because uh, we want guys to want to become pros we want guys sure. to want to win National Player of the Year awards in all conference uh, but if they're working on those things within uh, the purview of what your team's trying to achieve, and why not? Uh, so we we have a great opportunity here uh, to get our guys to understand that if you focus every day on just trying to get better, uh, and I've always felt a great ease in you know teaching people what I believe in and how I believe the game should be played, uh, and I've got a great staff. That's the thing that helps me the most in this thing. I got two former head coaches on my staff. Uh, And so I can delegate some things very comfortably and give Mm -hmm. those guys uh, some freedom to have a voice within our program. Uh, So, one thing we talk about is everybody within our program needs to be able to find their voice uh, and feel comfortable asking questions, making suggestions. uh, And then ultimately, again, because I got to go to the press conference, I get to make the final decision. Um, But I've always felt a great sense of ease in teaching the game and trying to get guys to. You know, uh, in a lot of ways, execute a game plan and try to win games. We had some success this year, uh, not to the level that we'd like to, but I think it was a good start. Something we look forward to building on.
0: You know, again, I I think it's one of the most dramatic. And I'm not trying to be. You know, I mean, I do a hundred of these podcasts, and I think it's one of the most dramatic things I've ever seen in coaching where a first year coach in one of the toughest conferences in the country goes in and I don't mean to say you beat Bill Self, but you beat Kansas at Kansas. Some people would coach an entire career, thirty years and couldn't do that. That is amazing. But then Long Kruger is one of the best coaches in the country and not only do you beat him at your place, but then you beat him in the conference tournament, you know, to beat Oklahoma twice and you know and that's why i was rooting for you guys as well as you know other teams as you know in the conference you had you know west virginia at west virginia you can you can't even believe that that could ever happen and that's the toughest maybe the top three four places in the country let alone that league to win in uh and then i was so disappointed as you were i'm sure to not get an ncaa bid but amazing mike for the first year to have that success in that league beating those teams
1: yeah, I mean, we we had a you know we, again we go back we had a lot we had a lot of dynamics to battle this year. Um you know, mid year we had two kids we had to dismiss. Right. Um, we had Jeff Carroll uh, not for the first few games of the season. Right. Uh, we, we lost one of our assistant coaches before the season even started, so we had to hire a coach after the practice had already started. Uh, and then the expectations were pretty low, um, but again, it, it, I, I give credit to. All the credit to the kids. You can only go into Lawrence, Kansas, and win. Not because you coach well, but because your kids believe. You have to believe you can win. Mm -hmm. You have to believe that um, you can do things to negate their uh, success. And so to be able to go in there uh, and win was a great accomplishment. But then knowing that you beat them, to, to then beat them by 18 points when they come back to your place, was even bigger. Um, Oklahoma is a big game here for our program. Sure, and so to beat those guys at home, and then to beat them with a lot, we thought riding on the line in the conference tournament was a big deal. You know, we had a big win at West Virginia. We beat Texas Tech when they were number six in the country. Uh, Oklahoma was number four in the country when they came to, Nor- to Stillwater, and we beat them. Uh, we beat Florida State after they had drubbed Florida uh, down in Sunrise. Uh, so all those things made us feel like you know we had done enough to make the tournament. So we were disappointed too. And so, the hardest thing, one of the hardest things we did this year was try to get prepared for the NIT when we had no desire uh, at the beginning of the year to set that as a goal. Sure.
2: Uh,
1: But the the character of those kids was showed again when they turned the switch and were able to make a good run and then lost to a really good Western Kentucky team Mm -hmm. that they're around there. So, I give credit to the kids and to to our coaching staff uh, for for trying to focus on the things that we could control uh, and dealing with some of the disappointment. Uh, and being able to bounce back or kind of overcome it
0: uh just shows the character of the people that were here. Mike, you were uh, amazing and uh you know and I'm 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 glad you came into my life uh because uh to get to see coaches like yourself that it it gives it gives me someone that's been a lifer in this business so much hope and enthusiasm that our game is in great hands because when you see terrific and I'm going to call you young because you're damn young. Uh, So a young coach come in and just be so full of wisdom, but humbleness. uh, It's a blessing. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being who you are and being so real. And uh, I have nothing but wishing you success every single game, my friend. Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate you having me on and, I look forward to doing it again sometime. Oh, we will. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Okay, thanks. Mike is a very, very special coach. And, uh, again, if you ever get a chance to go through Stillwater and you get a chance to go see their venue, watch him work, great staff with Cooper and Sutton. Oh, man, they have all the pieces there. Uh, You're going to love the atmosphere. You're going to love the town. I forgot to talk to him about Eskimo Joe's, one of my favorite places in college as far as going and getting something to eat. But Mike Boynton is special. You're going to enjoy this. Now, listen, uh, we have uh, we're in May now and we have uh, only about two months or so to coaching you live in Las Vegas, July 9 and 10. Make sure you sign up those coaching calls that we're doing for everyone that signs up. As soon as you sign up, you get on the next coaching call. They have been fantastic. Uh, The learning that's taking place between us, you're getting to ask questions that you want an answer to now uh, to help on your progress as a coach. So treat it as a second clinic that is a throw-in to this. We've never done it before. I'm enjoying it as much as the folks that are online with us so take advantage of it uh see you on our coaching call uh if not this is the coach brendan sir next week we'll see you with another podcast